How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Can you hear the rain here? No, I can't. Is it raining outside? It's just stopped for a second. But yeah, it's been raining uh, all morning pretty much. It's, it's quite a good nice. kind of rain? Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, it's it's a comforting rain, you know, when you're sitting on the boat and it's lovely. Gentle summer rain, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've been. it's been really hot recently, so it's a bit of a respite from the heat, which is great. Um, the humidity has been mad. It's kind of like Japan at the moment. It feels like, uh, you know, those sort of August those August days where you just get such high humidity and even standing still, you drip with sweat. Kind of feels like that at the moment. Oh, that's cold. But you're in winter, right? Yeah, cold, brutal. Um, but we're coming out of it, so it's all good. Um, good man. I, I always like to talk about the weather, as you know, but um, today we're talking about Kyoto. Mm, we are. Yeah, we've got, um, we got quite a bit to discuss about that. Well, we've got a... A new city. We've got a new Wonder the Night city. We uh, do. Kyoto. So it's been a long time in the making. Um, but it's it's now live on wonderthenight.com. Uh, uh, and it's it's kind of, I guess, a, a bit of a hometown for you in a way. Yeah, it like it is. It really does feel like my second home, Kyoto. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about it recently. Why, you know, what draws me so much to Kyoto? And I think um, my relationship my fondness with Kyoto is very much in relationship to living in Tokyo, you know, living and working and, and busting your ass in Tokyo all day, every day. And then you go back to Kyoto, we, you know, me and my wife went back to Kyoto often to visit. Um, it was like a, a break. It was a, again, it was a respite. And so I saw the city as this sort of like escape rabbit hole, you know, like a bolt hole, they call it. Um, and so my relationship with Kyoto and, and the reason why I love it so much is is because it always signified this, you know, this short end of the, the manic, <laughs> the manicness that is Tokyo. Yeah, I think I can, I think I know what you mean. Like you can get away, yeah. get away from it. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of places can kind of fill that um, that area. Kyoto, for myself as well, you know, I've got a few memories, different times in my life where I've gone to the city and I've explored it. It's, it's a really walkable place. It's lots of little things to discover, um, a, lo a lot of curiosity in the city um, and a lot of history as well. Mm. Um, when did you first go to Kyoto? Um, well, actually... It, it was back when I was living in South Korea. Um, I was teaching English in South Korea and we had a long uh, five-day weekend. I think um, Chuseok, it's called in mm. Korean. And uh, so me and a few friends, we came over to Japan mm. and we visited Osaka, of course, and we visited Kyoto. And uh, I was young, I was stupid, I was very much, uh, it was just a party weekend for me. So we, you know, we went clubbing and we were drinking and eating all the time. So I didn't really, I didn't really see much of that uh, wonder, you know, that, that beauty. But um, then the next time, the, the time that really changed me was, you know, when living in Australia with Chia, we went over to Kyoto to visit her family um, and I, you know, I, I'd already met them, but, uh, we went over there basically to see them and, and see them in Kyoto. And it just, it changed my life, man. It was, we, we, we only went for a week, but I, it was so magical and it's, it's quite a, a lazy word, I think, to describe Kyoto as magical because it's so easy to say, but it really is, you know, like it really is a, a beautiful city. Um, and, you know, we wandered along the river at night and there's fireflies. It's, it really is like a, a Ghibli movie. It's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful city. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think the first time I ever went to Kyoto would have been when I was at university and I too was young and impressionable. And I went with uh, two friends and um, we just, it, it was just good, wholesome fun. Mm -hmm. Um I remember we, we took the Shinkansen from Tokyo Station, you know, and we're just, everything's a laugh, you know, everything was a bit of fun. Mm. And um, I think the first place we arrived was actually Kyoto. Um, and we only went through for the day. 
um, uh, we I, th I think we, we ended up staying the night in Osaka um, and doing a few other things and we went down to Kobe but um, just that first day in Kyoto and it was quite warm I, I want to think it was summer but mm -hmm. I don't remember it being uh, ungodly hot <laughs> um, but it, it was definitely warm it, it, it was likely summer in fact I think it might have been the summer break but maybe at the beginning or the end when it wasn't quite uh, as warm as the middle of it um, but whatever it was we um, we turned up and we basically just walked around and we had all this intention of going to all the temples and stuff but I, I think that quickly fell away and we ended up just staying in a couple of, we, we went to a cafe up on a hill somewhere and we were just laughing away the afternoon mm. um, there was, I think we were like the only people in there and um, there's sort of like the old uh, the old grandma who's running the place and you know we couldn't understand anything she said um, and yeah we just we just drank coffee and, and laughed the, the afternoon away and then I think we managed to catch a bus back to the station um, to get the next to get the train down into Osaka but it really was um, a lot of fun and I wrote a story about this actually yeah. um, um, I think I, it's, it's, I think I've, I've called it uh, the glass bottle of memories. Yes, um, you did. Yeah, I, I think that's the name of it. Um, and that kind of that story is kind of a, a, a mixture of a few different things, but that kind of I think captures that essence of sort of the summer of youth um, and just those old days when you could just go and do stuff like that. Um, and it, yeah, it was just such um, such fun and, and so simple. Um, and the second time I went, I think it might have actually been for a photo festival. Um, I think it would have been pre Danchi, but I was working on Danchi, mm. and it was, um, it's called Kyotography, it's like a quite a big photo festival they have there uh, every year. And I went over there and I was talking to the judges, or the um, I was at the portfolio review, show them some of my work, walk them through the series. Uh, and at that time, I, I was staying on the other side of the river um, in a right, a nice little spot. And um, I I just sort of wandered around. So I went and had the, the photo event, but um, it wasn't particularly busy for some reason. And I, I don't know what it was, but there weren't actually that many people in town. And so we, we I was just walking around by myself. I, I went by myself, had my cameras and stuff, and I was just walking around taking photos. And that was when I took the photo actually that we see in the new Wander the Night uh, so that was just a, a real wander around, and it was really nice because the first time when I was with my friends, we didn't stay until the evening, and um, we I, no actually now that I think about, it, I think we stayed sort of until dusk, um, and then we caught the train into Osaka, but it wasn't we didn't stay into the night, and so um, this second time uh, when I was able to wander around and, and get some photos and just kind of get a feel for the city, and I, I definitely can I know what you mean when you mention the Ghibli sort of mm -hmm. feel. And I also get a, a, an impression with a lot of the game studios, like Nintendo's based out of there, like just some of the way the streets are laid out, you know, you see that come through in video games, like old school yeah, video absolutely. games. Like there's, there was an area, um, it might have been Gion or somewhere, but it just reminded me so much of sort of like an RPG game, laid, mm -hmm. you know, just the way it was laid out. Yeah, um, or even like Street Fighter, you know, like yeah. the old beat em ups or something like that. Yeah, yeah, because um, you have got this kind of cr grid, uh, and then these old these old uh, streets, and they're real narrow and and just little alleyways everywhere. Mm. But they're not like Tokyo alleyways; they're a lot more kind of open to the sky. There's no skyscrapers. It's just sort of these these little, you know, delicate uh, side streets. Yeah, there's some law I think in in Kyoto against they're not allowed to build buildings that are higher than a certain number of floors, you know, to keep the sky open and to keep it looking nice. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that. And then I, I think I might I might have gone back another time. Um, uh, or, uh, yeah, I might have gone back once more, but I, I haven't really spent that much time there. Mm. Um, I've spent, um, uh, yeah, I've spent maybe a little bit more time in other parts of Japan, but for some reason I just never you know, had enough reason to go there, um, yeah. you know, more regularly than I did, unfortunately. But um, looking back, I would have liked to have spent some more time there. Mm. Um, I actually, in fact, I remember the second time I went when I was doing Danchi and I met with uh, a, a guy who uh, did a lot of renovation of the, uh, um, they call them the eel, eel houses, mm -hmm. uh, like the real narrow 
um, townhouses that you have in parts of Kyoto and uh, he got in and, and he was renovating those um, and turning them into, um, you know, because a lot of them were, were quite um, dilapidated, but he would go in and fix them up and um, he was telling me his story and we went to some really nice cafes and just, yeah, that, there's little parts of the city which are just really quite idyllic and yeah. people who have gone there know what I mean, but um, it really is quite quite magical as you say and um, yeah, it definitely left an impression on me. Mm, yeah, Gion, Gion especially is a beautiful area, and Kawaramachi is nice, nice, lots of lovely back streets. I think I actually might, looking back, um, I'd, I'd have to have a real, you know, go through my my, my diary, I guess, but I, I do think I might have gone back once more before I went back when I took this photo. There might have been another time in between, because mm. um, I had a friend who was living, in fact, the friend who I went to Kyoto with the first time, he ended up living in Kyoto working for uh-huh. some big company and it was in, it was in the south of the city. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually quite an industrial area. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's sort of different parts of the city. And so you've got the, you know, the old quarter, but down, if you go down south, it actually does get a lot more industrial and there's quite yeah. a few manufacturing um, factories and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I, I remember, oh, sorry. I, I, sorry, I was just going to say the area where Nintendo is based, um, like you would imagine it to be like this beautiful old Kyoto area with this beautiful old building where Nintendo is inside, but actually it's very industrial and the building is really grey and boring. And even yeah. the, the Nintendo sign on the outside of the building is grey or something. It's not the red that we associate. It's it's yeah. it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I remember yeah, in the south of the city, um, walking along the banks of the river and um, there, there's highways in that area, you know, the sort of looming highways over everything. And um, it was definitely a different, a bit of a different vibe. And then there's that corridor that goes down through to sort of Osaka um, and you can take the train down. So, um, yeah, I think there's different parts of the city. And I think there's definitely some more wonders to be had one day. Um, I'm sort of... Looking back, I think you know there's there'd definitely be a lot more to see, and I, 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 for some reason, I guess I never really connected the dots between a lot of Mishima's work, you know, and his writing, and some of the locations in Kyoto. Which now, I think going back, I would love to go and kind of retrace some of those steps, you know, mm-hmm. um, with um, Kinkakuji and, and some of those locations, and just kind of like mm-hmm. try and feel it a bit more, um, you know, derive it out, and and sort of see where where everything is, and and sort of put myself back into that. I think I did a bit more of that in Tokyo. Um, but yeah, that's all for the next adventure, I guess. <laughs> yeah, man, maybe we can meet in Kyoto one day and, and yeah, like you yeah. say, take, take a book, you know, a Japanese author and sort of explore the areas that they're talking about. I think uh, yeah. spring snow is, is in Tokyo. Is that right? But um, yeah, oh, some, some of his yeah. books are set in Kyoto. Yeah. yeah, no, there's a there's definitely connections with Kyoto and, yeah. and a lot of his work. Um, definitely, definitely. But it's it's really interesting. Just going back to you said it wasn't so busy in the city when you visited for the second time. Um, it's yeah. quite you know it's quite different from the the normal Kyoto. It's always busy, isn't it? It's it's usually always full of foreigners. And um, just just during COVID, before before I left Japan. Um, me me and Chia went down to Kyoto and because of COVID, of course, there was no there was no foreigners there at all. No uh no Americans, no Chinese, no Koreans, no nothing. And um we really did see the city in a different light. You know, it really was, you know, we went to um to Kiyomizudera and there was about, you know, ten people. <laughs> Or, you know, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but there was hardly anybody. And of course, they're all Japanese, so they were being mindful and careful. Um, but it's it's quite amazing to see such a, what is such a usually thriving, busy city to be dead. And it made it more beautiful. It made it more Ghibli-esque and, and more interesting. Yeah, it's it's it's, um, it's got a charm to it, I guess. Um I saw some real similarities between like Kyoto and when I went down to Taichung in Taiwan, like it was, it was, I guess laid out in the same way with this sort of grid structure as, Mm. as a, as a kind of a new city. And, um, I I definitely got some real deja vu and I've, I've written about this before, but some of Tainan and Taichung, especially that they've got this kind of like echo of, of Kyoto, and mm. so there's little areas where you've got little canals and sort of bank. You can sit on the banks of the canal, and there's little, uh, you know, alleyways and things. And and it kind of reminds me a lot of Kyoto, but with this kind of a little bit more of an edge. 
Um, and, and I always thought that was interesting because they were kind of built, they were modeled off it um, in terms of this, the sort of the, the urban planning uh, mm-hmm. during the imperial period. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, found, I found that quite interesting. There's this kind of duality. And at the same time, in a, in a way, like I'm, I was kind of looking for the real the real Kyoto when I was there, and I think I found aspects of it, but it, it is hard to tell because it is sort of there's so much that's put on. Touristy, um, yeah, yeah, and it, it is interesting how that kind of um, that kind of references itself, and uh, because it's so mediated in, in that sense, what what is the real city? And that's always what I've been looking for is you know what 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 is, what is the actual. Um, Kyoto and and what, what what you know where can I find that and I found when I did go wandering around um, you, you know the, the the alleyways and and seeing um, just the details and, and mm-hmm. trying to capture that I, I, I started to kind of build a mind map of, of what that what that is but mm. only really spending one night there it, it wasn't enough I, I think to really truly capture capture the city and yeah it's it's i think there's definitely i, I would like to go back um and, and see more of it um and just uh, maybe get to know a few more people there and and just sort of see what's happening yeah yeah but it's interesting what you say about trying to understand the real kyoto because um you know of course we are we are outsiders we are foreigners so uh we can only guess what we think is the real Kyoto, right? And yeah. um, it's it's quite unfortunate, but Kyoto has quite a negative image in other Japanese people's minds. Like, mm. um, you know, I hear often that Kyoto people are quite snobby or snobbish, but um, I'm, I'm not sure it's necessarily true. It's just that sort of stereotype that other Japanese people have of Kyoto. Like, oh yeah, we're the we're the original capital. We are yeah. the traditional center. You know, yeah, but yeah. I I've never met a Kyoto uh, uh, resident that is actually like that. Right? I think it's a it's a it's a stereotype caricature. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. It's, I, as I said, I think I think there's more exploration to be done. Um, I'm 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 really interested in in going back and, and looking at some of the literary connections because I know, mm. um, uh, you know, like uh, one of Mishima Mishima's translators, Donald Keane, was living in Kyoto for many years after the war, mm. and um, you know, it was, I think it was quite a different city back then, and, and it, it has become quite mediated. It's kind of the go-to destination, um, and so you, you do have to kind of scratch the surface a bit to to, mm-hmm. to get to the get to the goods and and that can be in different ways as well you know it might not be the old city as such it might be um you know going out to some of the the surrounding areas um you know i'm really interested in some of the smaller satellite towns that are sort of up in the hills around kyoto mm-hmm. and that kehoku um, kehoku is an absolute beautiful journey it's like uh it's like an hour and a half away north and you have to drive up through the mountains to get there i've got some beautiful field recordings from kehoku actually which i might play in this uh, podcast yeah I mean, please it's really yeah. nice um and it's just yeah it's like you say it's a mountain town all of the buildings are dilapidated falling down they've had generations of families living in them and they're literally just standing alone by the side of the road all the woods falling apart rotting away this whole life this whole generation of a family or multiple generations of a family just rotting away by the side of the road as you drive up through the mountains it's beautiful yeah that's that's fantastic i remember when i went when i went there um probably the last time it was i i found this little place doing old den um and I, I walked in and just sort of let myself in, mm. start chatting, chatting with the the master, and um, it was it was quite a funny situation because I, you know, just turning up and being like, hey, you know, can I get grab some Odin? Like, yeah. and he's like, oh, you know, like when we started having this conversation, and he had all these little masks up on the wall, and I mm. think they were might have been from like a knoll, um, you know, like the, the theatre, yeah. and. Um, I was just chatting about it, but I was really surprised at how small they were, you know, because I think you, you wear them on over your face, but they're, they're really tiny, um, mm-hmm. these, these, um, these masks. And uh, I just remember chatting to him and I took a few photos around that area and just, I don't know, I just sort of drifted in and out of places. It was really, it was quite a strange sensation. You know, there's these little, um, really nice little canals that just sort of run through some between houses and things, you yeah. know, really like you could, you could jump over them really. They're so, so small. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, yeah, I remember walking around and I sort of just followed the grid of the city. Um, and as you go north, you know, I, I think I came to, um, one of, one of the larger temples that they have in the middle of the city, which, mm-hmm. which has a bit of a park around it. So I sort of went around that and up and around and, um, 
yeah, I just sort of followed my nose all night. Um, and it was, it was quite, it was quite easy to navigate as well because it is that grid. You can just kind of keep going and, and, and you find your way back eventually. Um, yeah, but you're, you're good at that. I mean, you're good at wandering around the city and yeah. hunting out the, the goods. Yeah, no, I, I like to, um, I like to build a bit of a mental picture in my mind of like a mental map. Um, and I, I'm, I'm pretty good at finding my way back most of the mm. time, but, um, but yeah, it really was quite beautiful. And, um, there, there was a bit of a light rain. I remember, um, it was sort of a bit misty. Um, and yeah, just the city, it's so flat as well. That's the thing that, you know, you could just kind of keep going, um, but yeah, I think we, we do need to catch up again and go over there and just... Um, we do. We should meet there. Yeah, we can just yeah. both fly there. But uh, just going back to the picture, I know it was a long time ago, so you might not remember exactly. But um, do you, is there anything that you can tell us about this picture? I mean, what are we looking at here? Is it houses? Is it a hotel? Oh, I'm not, I'm not so that, a restaurant. So the, uh, this is actually, I think this is the Kamal River across from that. Um, mm -hmm. I was staying on the far side of it, just, I think it was south of Gion, um, uh, and I, I wandered up, and I remember just sort of a bit further up from this line of, of buildings, there's this really nice Art Deco um, structure, probably about three or four stories, mm. um, and, and it had like a, a kind of quite an eloquent uh, Chinese restaurant in it, mm -hmm. um, and I, I went uh, and I crossed over the river, and I was just sort of walking up and down, and this really caught my eye. Um, and I think it might have been actually on the way back from the wandering. I'm just trying to think now. Oh, my no, sorry, it was earlier in the evening. So there's still people around because there, I've got another photo where I've, where I've got just sort of captured a bike, like a, a bike sort of drifting past under these lights. Um, but I decided to go with this one. Um, but yeah, I, I believe these are these are restaurants um, which you can get to from the other side and they look out over the river. So ah. where I'm standing from is just on the bank of the river. Uh, and, and yeah, so potentially, if it was if it was flooded, this might the water might come up up, up to here. I see. Um, but I just I, I loved how we could you could sort of see into all of the little boxes and, mm. and see the people's lives, but there's not actually anyone there, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's an amazing moment. You haven't caught any people at all. <laughs> I don't know how you've done it. And I love yeah. the rain on the ground. You can see this sort of shine of the rain. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, definitely. That night, uh, it was it was it was a classic to arrive, you know, um, mm. wandering around um, with my gear and just sort of being in a new city, you know, um, and, and seeing it for the first time. And uh, it really, it, it really was quite inspiring. And and it, it's kind of like a a dot dot dot, you know. Like I, I do think there's more to be seen there. And I feel, you know, uh, spending all this this time away from all of this stuff you know, I'm, I'm kind of inspired to return to these places and kind of revisit them in a way. Mm. Like I was having this idea the other night, but, you know, I haven't really published or, or, or shown that much actually from even Tokyo. You know, I've got this huge library of images, but in a way I'm like looking looking now if I was to go back and, and, and do like the book or do mm. the series, it would probably be an evolution upon all of the, the work I've already done. Um you know, whereas a lot of this earlier stuff was quite, it was almost kind of like the establishing shots. I feel like I could go back now and actually do a lot more of the, the other stuff and, and yeah. really flesh it out, if you know what I mean. More high-level stuff. Yeah, like just even the details, you know, like I think, uh, you know, as you, I mean, I think it is important to reflect on your practice, right? And as I work through this New Zealand series, which is, is coming together, you know, really um, you know, really quite quite well. I, I look at sort of a lot of the formative work, you know, and 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 things like this, which were a number of years ago now. Um, this Kyoto Wanda, you know, it really was quite formative at the time. Um, but if I was to go back and and, and explore this place again and, and look into it and, and derive it, it would probably be, I, I could see myself going into it a lot deeper mm. than I did at the time. Mm. Yeah. You know, we we talk quite a lot on the podcast about how spending such a long time away from home see uh, allows us to see it in a new light. You know, yeah. returning home after ten years and seeing things completely different from how we experienced them when we were young. Do you think that possibly you would experience Japan differently now that you've had a bit of time away? Oh, oh certainly. I, I think. Uh, I mean, I've I've pretty much gone through a, a new phase in my life since mm -hmm. I've been back, you know, I've, I've moved into this 
I guess this next phase. Um, and with the work I'm doing now, you know, I'm feeling it's feeling a lot more cohesive and coherent. I, I want to say, but it, 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 it's sort of it, it's um, it, it's got a lot more to it. And so, you know, I think what what I would what I see myself doing is taking some of these establishing shots, which I've I've done with with the older work, mm. and then using that as a as a springboard to go into something a bit deeper and for example the those uh eel houses the unagi no year that i mentioned mm. before the, the kind of old kyoto lane houses you know i i see that there's like a monograph on on that or there's a there's a series kind of going back and exploring um you know in the footsteps of mishima and and and, and what what he you know the locations and kind of the the, the ideas that were explored in, in his books or or that sort of thing you know where you're, you're kind of diving into it a bit more um with a context um whereas this generative work at, you know at the time that was a bit, it was a lot more like a, a kind of a brainstorm like mm. a visual brainstorm where i'm going out there and i'm kind of wandering and it's 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 zero to one uh, generation of, of ideas but um there's not necessarily a fully fledged idea there and it kind of takes time for that to mature out and come out and then you can take that and that becomes something bigger yeah. down the track, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I see that with my music as well, you know, like yeah. the formative, my formative times were sort of Soundscapes Radio, episodes one, two, three, four. You know, I was sort of experimenting, finding my style. Five and six were sort of like getting there. Seven, I sort of really hit on something. I really sort of hit a a nerve deep within me and I, I really enjoyed number seven um and mm. still people you know mentioned to me that seven is their favorite and then so it it really did take this time to just kind of have fun and play around and mess things up and make mistakes and then do find something that was great and then run with that um and then from you know 10 onwards i, I feel like i'm getting getting there like i, I feel like i'm doing it <laughs> yeah it's, it's i mean it's funny i mean just zooming out a bit from all of this but like it is really strange to look back on your old work and sort of identify the trends and and sort of the formative moments mm-hmm. and that's kind of been i guess my position lately where i've been going through a lot of my older images and sort of trying to think okay what was i trying to get at here what was the genesis here what was i trying to create and at the time maybe i didn't have the contextual or the technical skills to actually execute that every time um, but now it's like, as I work through it, I, and, and in most cases I do have the technical or the conceptual skills to actually do it. Um, and so it kind of changes things in a little bit. You, you almost do less in, in a way. So when you're sort of just creating this, you know, in this earlier part um, of the piece, you're just pushing it out and seeing what works for you. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I definitely realized that recently that um... – especially with January earlier this year, you know, the project where I was creating a a little loop every day in January. Um, My first initial instinct was just to fill these loops with as much music as I could and sort of like, so each track that I was producing was quite busy, dense and thick in sound. And then as as the month progressed and I was making more of these pieces, I was more interested in stripping it down and trying to get as much emotion from as little music as possible. And sometimes you you just realize I don't I don't need all these layers. I don't need all of this to tell the story that I'm trying to tell with this song or this music or something. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times I would start writing in in haste and and put all these ideas down and then eventually i'd end up deleting a third or or even sometimes a half of what i'd made and then it was right you know and then it was yeah that's interesting you mentioned that it's almost like creative destruction right like just Mm. getting with stuff um and editing it's it's where it sort of often gets made you know um but yeah um in terms of that though like I, i think I mean, just getting back to the bigger topic, I guess, in terms of creativity, right, for us and, and the way we we work. I've, um, I've I've had an interesting experience lately with with work and just work work, as you know. Um, we've been talking about this, but um, you know, I, I started a new job mm. and then I quit a new job mm. since we last spoke. Um, and I wanted to share a little bit of, share a little bit about that, just um, for, for you and just also for our listeners to just kind of 
give a bit of an insight into how some things can um, can pan out for uh, for people. So mm. I think maybe the last time we caught up, I had started some new work. I think it was yeah, just starting, literally, yeah. So some design work, and, and that was cool. And and I thought yeah, you know, this, this is kind of what I need to just you know fill up these long, or these cold, short winter days. Um, but I ended up uh, basically not. Uh, something in my like it was like a fuse that just bur- burnt out you know I was just like I can't I can't do this I can't create this work for other people um, and I really wanted to want to do it I thought you know I, I want to kind of give this a go uh, but it was like yeah at the end of the day I can't I can't push myself into this box to create this this stuff which I don't believe in which um, in terms of this design work I was doing it was it was really just um, process work you know I wasn't it, was, it wasn't any different to um, any other place that I've, you know, that I've ever worked. It's just the same old stuff. Um, and I remember just trying really hard to try and make it work and, and, and grin and bear it. But I was like, you know, why am I even trying to do this? Um, mm. I'm, I'm kind of fighting the machine. I'm fighting it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I got I to gotta let it go. Um, so I actually I resigned um, from the airplane, actually. Uh, we had, I, flew, I was flying up to Auckland again recently and uh, the plane had Wi-Fi on it. So I actually sent my resignation letter from the air, um, which was cool, I think. Uh, maybe first for me. I don't know about you. but um, 21st century, yeah. 21st century. Um, but yeah, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like I, I was working and, and they're great people, you know, like they were really nice people and, and that. But it just, it just wasn't me. You know, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't on board with the vision. It was just process work. It was agency work. And I was like, you know, this I can't, I can't do this. I can't lie to myself. And mm. in a way, I, I think back to say when I was a bit younger, I, I probably could have kept going. You know, I probably could have lied to myself a bit more and said, oh, I'll just do it a bit more, a bit more. But at this point, man, it's like fuck straight away. I just know, and it's like it's not me. I can't do it. It's not fitting the creative vision. Um, so I need to go. And it's a bit painful sometimes, but it's kind of easier to just pull the pull the plaster off, you know? Yeah. Well, if, you know, if you're relying on that money or that paycheck or something, it becomes very difficult. But you, um, it sounds like you're in a privileged <laughs> position where you can sort Oh, no. I mean, I, this is, um, yeah. So I'm number one, I am unemployable in the sense that I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit like my old man. Like, uh, it's hard for me to work for other people. But it's number two, um, I've always thought I'd rather be poor then lose my freedom. Um, yeah. And that's a bit of a, that's a bit of a hard line, but I've, I've been poor before and had a lot of freedom and a lot of free time and it's been all good. Um, <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's just um, taking it a bit too far, but um, no, that's you, fantastic, you know, man. Yeah. That, that's, that's just me, man. Like I can't not do that. And um, I mean, I am lucky in a sense that I got some other work that I'm doing and I got my creative, my creative work, which is, is, is happening. But um I thought, you know, that, that I could make this work and it would be a, a nice little bonus for for a bit. But, um, yeah, no, I, I can't. I found out quickly that I can't. Um, but interesting, though, this reminds me a lot, mm-hmm. actually. We, we, we've been talking about this thing of this 10-year cycle, right? It's been an ongoing theme. And when I, when I first was in Japan, I remember working for a design agency as well. I got a job. I just fucking turned up and was like, took my way into the place. I didn't really have mm-hmm. any skills at the time. Um, but the exact same thing happened back then. I was like really like just pretending to work. You know, I was just pretending to sit at my desk and like literally just moving my mouse around the screen, not doing anything because I just was like absolutely unmotivated to work on the stuff, which didn't have any meaning. And um, I remember at the time that was probably the genesis for kind of proto-derive. I remember back then I was working these long hours and – I was in Ueno and I remember that like, after work and stuff, I'd start, I'd walk around and just start wandering the city. And that was kind of the early days before I even had a camera. Um, and, and so in a way I'm kind of like reliving that again and being like, okay, cool. I see what happened. I've just done the same thing I did all of those years ago. I've just done it again. Ago. You've started the cycle again. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm reliving the cycle again. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't quite 10 years ago for that. Um, like university was 10 years ago, but the, um, yeah. the job was a little bit less, but you know, the cycle is coming again. I'm like, okay, cool. What does it, does this mean I've got like another huge creative project that's coming along? Well, I, it kind of reminds me of this uh, quote from, from Mary Oliver. Yeah, I, I always talk about Mary Oliver. I absolutely love her. Uh, late, late poet, Mary Oliver. She says, I was very careful never to take an interesting job. I took lots of jobs, but if you have an interesting job, you get interested in it. I also began in those years to keep early hours. 
if anybody has a job and starts at nine, there's no reason why you can't get up at 4.30 or 5 and write for a couple of hours and give their employers their second best effort for the day, which is what I did. I love that. Yeah. It's so yeah. yeah, that's me. I mean, again, this is, I think this is important in a way, like, because one thing that I, I thought was interesting just the second time around, being, I guess, a little bit more observant this time, working in this this agency, again, great people, um, you know, nice, friendly, very young. Um, I, I just got this impression that, you know, that there's these bundles of energy that mm. these people have. Mm. And I used to be like that, you know, like I used to be just bumping, you know, bumping around, you know, and, and just being able to do stuff. And as you get a bit older, as you move, you know, move through your career, I guess, mm. you, you start to be like, yeah, I haven't got the energy to blow on stuff. You know, you got to put it, you know, you've still got the energy you need to do the things you need to do but you haven't got the energy to blow on things that don't matter. Um, and so some of the projects, some of the ideas, some of the meetings, I'm like, yeah, I just, I'm not here. I'm sorry, but I'm not here. Um, I'd rather be writing. I'd rather be working on my, my book. I'd rather be working on uh, the exhibition. Your vision. Yeah. My vision. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is, you know? And I think in a way, and I, I, I kind of, it's it's a bit of a shame, I think, with with COVID and that, because I, I have been sort of around a few people who who are kind of coming of age, um, for, in various part, you know, various um, various ways, and because of COVID, it's kind of locked down a lot of ability to just go out and do stuff, mm-hmm. um, and so there's like almost this generation who are gonna potentially miss that chance to go and just do that silly thing that you get to do when you're 21, which you don't necessarily get, you know you know later and and you kind of you got this window where you can do that and whether you take the opportunity or not it doesn't stay available to you i don't think um as much as i'd like to say you know it's it doesn't matter it, it, it kind of does yeah and so what you do between the ages of 18 and 28 kind of make a real big difference you know and you can be silly and you can blow money you can be poor you can write a book and and and, and live however you want to live mm-hmm. because you're basically generating the the foundations of your of your creative life um yeah you're you're creating the memories you know i think you're right about the age the age range there is pretty good 18 to 28 but the way i see it is it's never too late to start again it's never too late to keep you know keep changing change yourself move on you're exactly right i think and i totally agree with you there so i I don't want to be so like i'm I'm cutting making some hard lines there on the sand (laughs) but i i guess you kind of get to just do it though when you're in that first bracket mm. and the second time around, if you want to come back to it, you really, I mean, look at how much you and I have to talk about this and, and, you know, theorize how it all works. Cause it's, it's mm. not as easy to do it the second time around. It takes a lot more effort. It does. Especially um, if you've got family or, you know, other, other um, yeah. responsibilities and, you know, and even just your, your own conception of yourself, I, I think, you know, you, you, you're perhaps a little bit more naive when you mm. do it the first time around. You get to just go out and 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 create this work that just is meaningless potentially for for anyone else except you. And it's it's because it's generational for yourself. It's 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 a, your own creative um, uh, hot pot, I guess. Mm. And you know, with my imagery, it's like yeah, a lot of the a lot of the stuff is just establishing shots of ideas, which one day I can come back and and flesh out a bit more, but. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's, that you, you kind of, you, you got to just push that, you know, and do that as much as you can. Mm. Um, and, and, and then later on you can do that as well, but it's, it's good to start early, I guess, but it's never too late to start either, you know? Yeah. I think I know the answer to this question already, but what, what are your views on uh, revisiting old work and sort of, uh, you know, like uh, remixing, redoing, revisiting and, and editing again? Oh, is it, is it just oh. like, is it better to just leave that in the sand? I mean, there's there's two issues. So number the the first issue, from a purely I guess market point of view, is that you know maybe you've got old work that's actually quite valuable and people yeah. are interested and they want to see the story and they they want to discover it. Hmm. But if you haven't got a platform for people to discover it, um, you kind of miss out in, in sharing that. And, and hmm. I think that's a problem I struggle with a little bit, which I've been thinking about on and off. You know, how do I actually get this stuff out there? Uh, you know, e- even I don't necessarily know how much work I've done because it's all in different places and kind of spread around. Mm. And it's like kind of coherently bringing that together, which is really hard when it's your own thing because you always want to just make it 
perfect and keep mm. editing it. Um, but there's that issue. But then I think also from a, a conceptual point of view, um, you, you got to keep moving forward, you yeah. know. And sort of some of the the real blue sky broad strokes are always going to be there. But in terms of the actual execution and the concept, I think you always need to be pushing the envelope. Otherwise, you'll you'll be treading water and you become this kind of process machine where you're creating the same kind of stuff. Mm. And I, there's something about that that does, doesn't really appeal to me too much, you know, like creating the same kind of work. Um, I, I always want to be trying to push it. It's the same concepts, but or sort of some of the same fundamentals, but trying to look at it in new and innovative ways and trying to take it to the next level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, I guess, my answer. How, how about for you? It's interesting because we we come from different like uh, artistic backgrounds. You know, you're mm. a photographer, you're a sort of image creator and a story creator. Mm. Whereas I uh, am a musician, and it's much easier for me to go back to old work and remaster it and remix it and sort of change that sound there and stuff like that. Um, you know, all it takes is for me to just load up Ableton and and just change an instrument and then the whole track would would be different mm. um so the 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 draw is there for me you know mm. i i have um older work that i think is almost perfect and i would love to just tinker with it a little bit further but at the same time i don't want to get distracted by doing that i want to keep creating new stuff and and refining my sound and yeah not spending too much time re-going old stuff because you know to be honest i could go back to soundscapes radio episode one and uh and 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 redo that remix it and remaster it and then re-release it but is that really a worthy um, you know use of my time should i be just focusing next episode for example yeah, then I think one of the big discoveries for me has been um, there, there was just, I, I don't mean, like, I'm trying to zoom out here, but like, I want to call it like museumification, right? Where it's like you you idealize and idolize your older work because it represented this this more beautiful and naive period in your life where everything was good. And in a way, um, I, I think... When, when I was in this creation phase, you know, where I was, was, I was out there just generating this work, um, there wasn't really time to reflect on, on what it meant at, at the highest level. And it's only been since I came back and, and I've really spent time looking at it that I'm able to kind of put that into perspective because that phase has finished for the, for the moment anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I can look back and I'll be like, okay, well, that the pre-COVID derive Cody in Japan phase, this is what it meant. Uh, this is what it looked like, you know, this is the canon, you know, these are the images we've got, they're all here, this is this, this is the series. Um, and in a way, COVID has, you know, sort of categorized that. And then everything everything that's created after that is, is, is post-COVID. It's post, um, you know, me in New Zealand working on this New Zealand series that's very personal, very curated, very conceptual. Um, and so it's going to necessarily be quite different. And I, I think those will be some major milestones yeah. um, in, in the work. And so going back to some of the early stuff and even this Kyoto journey, um, you know, I, I look at that as it, it's, it's ancient history in a way, you know. Um, and, you know, maybe I can come in and, and re-edit it, rework with the imagery and, and that. But in terms of the concept, it, it, it is sort of fossilized in time now. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time when I was still back there, it didn't seem like that. It seemed like it was just an ongoing thing that just lived in, um, lived in my in my hard drive and and that. But now it definitely seems a lot more historical. Um, and so to kind of bring that out, I think it is it is a retrospective in this case because it's it's unreleased, um, and it, it really pairs well with what you what you're doing. Um, but I'm definitely I, I see it for what it is, which is the work. The, the wandering work that I was doing at the time um, and the concepts that I'm working on now, which I think have evolved a lot from then. Um, I, I'm, I'm really excited to, to apply those back to the subject matter mm. when the, when the time comes yeah. um, and, and, and kind of just, yeah, as you know, as you know, just sort of keep moving forward with it. Um, but yeah, that's all quite conceptual. Yeah. <laughs> it does, conceptual I, yeah. and deep. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, 
talking about you know new music maybe we can just circle back to um wonder the night and have a little chat about the uh the track that i wrote yeah for kyoto um so this track like most pieces that i work on recently was finished like 80 percent quite quickly like i um did what I always do. I just mess around with sounds in Ableton and sort of just try different chord patterns and different melodies and, you know, different late motifs and stuff like that. Um, so I just loaded up. Like, I think when I first started writing this track, I was listening to a lot of Angus McRae um, mm. and also a lot of C. Buckthorn. These two artists, they, they both use a lot of cello in their work, mm. especially C. Buckthorn. Um, and... I was listening to that a lot and I was getting really inspired by that. So I wanted to start writing a piece with cello, uh, just just cello. Mm. So, you know, laid one up and started playing around with it. And I had pretty much 80% of the track done in, in one night. Um, at least the, the skeleton of it, like the, 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 the melody, the, the main melody that you can hear um the chord patterns and it was just a bare bare bones track but it was mm. you know it was, i had the idea of where it was going and stuff and what happened is that i just i got stuck because i mentioned this last time on the podcast that there was just something missing there was just something that wasn't right with mm. it so i would I, I went away a lot and i had a chat to to good friends who were musicians and sort of you know, got their ideas about it. And I think, I think what was missing eventually was that there was just no, like, uh, no bass, <laughs> no, no, no lower tones, no sort of deep resonating, um, sounds in there. So I came back to it, got some, you know, got some underbelly, I called it uh, all, all of the tracks that I added after the, uh, the original parts were called the underbelly and that sort of describes it a lot um so you know it got a lot thicker it got a lot nicer sounding it got a lot of, a lot wider um and there's there's a particularly nice violin part that i really like um which comes in i think at about three minutes uh, around about there and um it to me i don't know if, if everybody else experiences it in the same way but to me it sounds like this violin is crying it mm. has this very sort of raw emotional sound mm. um mm. i will solo it just now so we can listen to it It's, um, it was very much inspired by Pink Floyd. Are you a fan of Pink Floyd? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I have this theory that Dave Gilmore, the guitarist for Pink Floyd, is one of the only guys in the world who can make a guitar cry. Mm. Um, and if you, I, I'm sure loads of people disagree with that and, and will be, you know, emailing me angrily. Um, but if you listen to one of their tracks, Marooned, uh, mm. on the division bell album mm. he it's the whole the whole track is just one long guitar solo um but he really really does make it make that guitar cry and he even has the kind of like you know you know when you're like fully crying about something and then you you breathe in and you're like <laughs> he, yeah. he even creates that sound with the guitar wow. it's, it's incredible it's absolutely amazing the way he does it um, yeah. and and you know 
I, I ask people to go listen to that track and just think about it like a crying baby or a crying, you know, crying woman or man or something. Because yeah. um, it really, and, and, and anyway, so going back to, you know, this, I, I found this sound, this violin sound. Um, and it, to me, it really sounds emotional and sounds like, like crying. So that kind of, you know, in, in, a, in, in, a, in a way sort of, reflects me leaving Kyoto and like the emotion yeah. that I felt surrounding leaving Japan and, and Kyoto and leaving all of that behind. It's, it's, yeah, that's, that's beautiful, man. I'm, I'm going to have another listen to it after this and just kind of try and pick that out a bit more because, I mean, I've been listening to the track a lot, but it, it all, it's all together for me. It's all just, a, it's you know, it's, it's one thing, but, you know, if I'll, I'll go back through and just see if I can... Yeah, yeah, ride the rift a bit more. Yeah, it's great. It's, uh, it's quite a deep track. It's it's got a lot of layers, um, you know, which is interesting because earlier, just like ten minutes ago, I said that I was trying to cut layers <laughs> from my music. But this, yeah. this track, if you look at it in Ableton, Some, yeah. is absolutely uh, really thick. Yeah, man. No, it's um, <laughs> it, it sounds great, and I think it's, it's it's good that we've been able to come back and put another city in. Um, yeah. And it's definitely quite an emotional track. I, I, I think I can feel that. Um, mm. I've always had this this idea. Oh, I mean, it, it takes me back, but like this idea of like the last train out of somewhere. And I remember it was always a thing for me. It was like you know catching the last train or like you know watching it, watching the lights of the city recede as you you leave a place and you know that you're not going to return. And um, in, in a way, it's like a lot of these wonders you know, pre-COVID, you know, I hate COVID, but it's like, it's kind of just locked stuff into history, you know, and it, the genre, you know, the, the everything, not just for me, but for a lot of people, the idea of going to a place and, and, and wandering around is now like, it's not even a thing anymore um, in a lot of the world. Um, or at least it's, it's changed. Even if you perform the same action, it, it's changed in meaning. And, in a way, there's this kind of melancholy with that because it seemed so naive and, and carefree at the time. It was so beautiful that I could just go and, and I could go with my friends and go by myself and just walk the streets and have a good time and no one seemed to mind. And now, you know, the world's a different place. Things have changed. And just like, you know, there was a period in time with, with music, you know, there's certain genres that represent periods in time. To go back and kind of make music that sounds like that doesn't mean that you're actually going back in time. All it means is you're kind of copying that 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 moment that existed. Um, and you know, with cinema, you know, with with with, with any creative medium, there's this kind of er- errors, and and you can remix that and take that out and, and give it another life. But the era as it was, you know, the the people who were doing things, the the life, and the kind of the zeitgeist that existed around then, um, you, you you can't go back to that. Um, and so I, 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 I don't know. Do, do you sort of know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I totally do. And it, it reminds me of recently me and Chia watched uh, Chet Baker's documentary, Let's Get Lost. You know, this was like West Coast American 1940s, 1950s. And, uh, you know, blues, jazz were were huge. You know, France was a huge inspiration for them, yeah, like the French yeah. culture and everything was super romantic and bars were full of smoke and everyone was drinking. And yeah. Kind of, I, I, I wonder if you'd like to go back to that world. <laughs> well, I mean, there's always the rose-tinted glasses, right? Like, what was it really like? And I mean, that, 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 always, that always comes back to my work, you know, where I'm trying to uncover these layers of a place mm-hmm. and, and with with a city like Tokyo, I was like always trying to find the old days and, and kind of the remnants of that that have kind of fossilized and, and sort of come through, passed through time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you know that the, the more time, I mean, looking at it, I guess, as a, as a movement, mm-hmm. the work, you know, not just myself, but, you know, um, you and, and, and my other friends, you know, we, we were kind of, we were all doing this thing and, and it was this kind of this, this emotion and this, there was this, this emotion in it. And, and and now that's not really a thing and you know the way people create work has changed the way people share their work has changed and, and things have kind of solidified you know kind of frozen a little bit and for me I think it's kind of what I needed and it's been really productive with my I guess taking my concepts to the next level but 
we had fully intended on just continuing, you know, exploring and and, and going. And in a way, though, it, it has been beneficial because it, it, it's kind of, ta- you know, it's taken me back. I've, I've, I've cycled back and, and I'm going back to the roots that led to this whole thing in the first place. And so I've been learning Chinese. I've been going back into my own work and, and looking at that. I mean, I, I mean, I'm still a beginner, but I went up to, the, I went to this, um, this language uh, exchange and I also went and saw a Chinese movie with my friend and I was like, man, my, my Chinese got like 50% better in one day. I mean, I, I, I kind of sucked already, but like it, it's so basic that it's like, it doesn't take much to get 50% better. And I'm, I can actually have a bit of a conversation with, with the, the, the DD drivers and stuff now. And it's like, man, that, that wouldn't have probably happened if I had kept going on at the pace I was going prior. Well, that's it. Ultimately, ultimately, COVID gave you this sort of breathing space to think about these things and pause yeah. for a second. And that is, that's a great thing that happened. Yeah, and it's sort of silence as well. You know, we're between tracks, you know, you've got this sort of moment where it's like you can actually reflect. And so I mean, I've never really been, I've never felt super oppressed or, 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 or I guess upset with this COVID situation. It's been pretty, pretty good in New Zealand. I know it's been a bit more tough for you guys, mm. but um, I, I've never felt sort of... Um, there's something wrong with it i feel like actually there's real opportunity and creative potential beyond it and yeah. um the world changes man you know things change yeah yeah absolutely you got to roll with the times man you got to roll with it and um uh it's beautiful to get i think in a way like i've always been kind of melancholic and nostalgic about the period prior and so mm-hmm. you know when you know when i was taking these photos of kyoto it's like what was i what was i nostalgic about what i was really into is you know probably thinking about my time at university or those old yeah. days which are now so far away it's like they're actually kind of ancient history and now i'm like okay, i'm nostalgic about these days um but it's like you know it's just a constant process of like looking towards the next time a summer you know when is the next summer going to roll around because mm. um it, it's pretty cold when you know in the middle of winter but you know looking forward to the next thing you're and, and that's finished. just yeah. yeah and just kind of get through to it you know um mm. but we're always nostalgic aren't we like even in university best best times of our lives we're looking back to you know times when we were playing video games at home and having yeah. no worries at all in life and i mean and it, unfortunately it doesn't work that way like you do have to get up and and do the next thing mm. and you can always look back with i think fondness and nostalgia and i'm very nostalgic as you know but you do at the same time need to keep walking forward, you know, and carrying that with you and carrying that mana, you know. Um, and yeah, if you if you want to go back and remaster your work, you can. But interestingly, I when I was up I was up north and I, I went and saw Chunking uh, Express actually on the big screen at a cinema with my friends, and it was absolutely amazing. Uh, but it was a 4K remaster, and oh, yeah. um, my friend. I mean, it was it was great, but my friend was like, "Yeah, apparently, Wong, you know, Wong Kar Wai, he didn't even care like, whether they remastered it or not, you know, because the movie's done." Um, and that was, and that was beautiful, and it was like, uh, you know, leave it to someone else, you know, work with some a producer or a, a, a curator to kind of take your stuff and 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 you know remaster it if you want mm. to. But really, I think generation and, and new ideas is where it's at. Yeah. Um, and 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 pushing yourself, talking to new people, and and kind of ultimately developing yourself. You know, what kind of person was I when I took this photo? It's a lot different to who I am today. Mm. Um, and I think that the guy who took that photo could probably learn a lot from what I'm doing today and I could probably teach him a few things. And if, if that's the case, then it's probably not too bad, you know? Um, Love that. And that was a brilliant segue. We just came around big full circle about, you know, yeah. revisiting old work and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's our Kilter Wander the Night. So people can check that out, uh, wanderthenight.com. Um, if you like what you you're here please feel free to support us um uh sharing is great sharing is great or um uh, follow uh, you know i know you've got a, a band camp is it yeah uh, right right on the bottom of the of the wonder the night we've got the link for that to download the uh, music um and yeah are we going to do another city do you think <laughs> i mean i'd like i'd like to do a new new city to be honest i would yeah. like to go out and shoot something new um We'll see when that happens. I mean, I'm keen to add a few more, so we'll just kind of keep it going. And um, but no, it was, it was good to catch up. And um, yeah, it's really good, man. Thank you. No, no, thank you. And we might wrap it up there, but I'll um, I'll probably catch up with you again, yeah. no doubt soon. Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. I'm excited for it. Sweet, right? Thanks. Great. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Have a good night. Man.